Hello, everybody, and welcome to another wonderful episode of Fandom Talk with the Fandom Correspondents. My name is Al, um, and I am a Fandom Correspondent, and I am here with my wonderful, wonderful friends and fellow Fandom Correspondents. And we're going to talk about the most recent completed um, Disney Plus show in the MCU on Moon Knight. Uh, this was one I was extremely, extremely hyped for as soon as it was announced. Um, so, so it'll be very good and very cathartic uh, to get some discussion going now that it's complete. Um, and here to join me and help me facilitate that discussion, as I said, are my wonderful compatriots and fandom correspondents. Uh, we have the the eldest member of the group. Uh, we have Joshua Wise Sage. Hard to see. Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing real well. I'm, I'm learning, still learning, even though I'm the eldest. I'm learning things, learning things about cherry limeades and how you shouldn't drink them after 12 hours. And, you know, that, that, that's that's how life is around here when you're Josh. You know, you just learn every day. Josh, it sounds like you're going through something there, buddy. I am. I'm, I'm going through all types of things, man. Going through all types of things. But, but, here, but ready to talk about some Moon Knight, who is also going through all types of things. Mm, indeed indeed um that could be the most the most concise <laughs> synopsis of the show ever is moon knight going through some things um but we are also um joined by the um the head cheese um the king cabbage himself um oh. jacob vance hardesty uh, jacob how are you my friend i am doing very well um Still learning things as well, although I did already know that if you leave a drink out for 12 hours, it's probably not going to be good. But, you know, that's kind of where we're at. Um, but, uh, but, yes, I am doing very well. Ready to talk about uh, some Moon Knight, who, as uh, Josh so eloquently put, yes, does have uh, – is going through some stuff. He has he has some stuff going on. <laughs> that's, that's true. He does indeed. Um, hope everybody um, is enjoying these little sneak peeks into the behind the scenes of <laughs> of the things we drink while we're <laughs> while we're recording um hope everyone's enjoying that um and then uh, last but not least um uh, my my partner in hosting this episode and also my partner in life we have Alyssa. hello hello Alyssa. how are you doing today I am doing pretty well. This is my first weekend home in like a month. Um, I know you've missed me, but I, yeah, I'm just hanging out. Ready to talk about some nerd stuff with my friends. Woo! And that's what we do here. Uh, we talk about nerd stuff, and we talk about it um, a lot. Sometimes concisely, sometimes in long-winded fashion. But um, today we're going to talk about the six-episode series on disney plus the moon knight again a show i've been excited for ever since it was announced what feels like just hundreds of years ago um and now we have it we have its conclusion at the time of recording it's been a couple weeks since the last episode premiered so um you know we had things going on we wanted to go ahead um and let everybody else get a chance to finish the series as well because we care about um spoilers here at fandom correspondence um, but, um, yeah, and I will say before we get into everything, we are sans one of our fandom correspondents, um, Raven, um, uh, was not able to be on this episode, um, today, 
unfortunately. Um, we miss her very much, um, and we are excited to have her back on episodes in the future. Um, and as I said before we started recording, it feels odd to talk about a show centered on a very dark, um, very handsome character uh, without having her here. Um, so I'm going to open things up with a question that I had meant for Jenny herself, but I will ask um, Jacob instead. Um, mm-hmm. Jacob, um, as a fan of very dark, um, very s- sexually charged um, characters um, in oh comic boy. book adaptations, um, <laughs> what was your opinion on um, on Oscar Isaacs as Mark Spector slash Stephen Grant slash all of the titular characters? Um how do you think he was handled? How do you think uh, the source material was kind of adapted into this um, uh, way of storytelling? I am so glad you got this question. <laughs> well, <laughs> I love you, but I'm so glad that you got this question. <laughs> First and foremost, I I am uh, also glad that I get to talk about my uh, uh, my fascination with the dark sexually charged characters. Um, <laughs> Hell <now>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I, uh, the interesting thing about this series as, as anyone who, who knows me, obviously, you know, I love comics. Um, and I try to have a decent, like secondary or even like tertiary knowledge of most of the major characters, especially ones that are getting, you know, movies coming out or, or shows and so on and so forth. Um, <clears throat> Moon Knight was one that I really didn't know a whole lot about before the show. And when the show started, there was a part of me that was like, Oh, well, I, this character is really kind of cool. I want to go back and start reading all the comics. And then I was like, no, I'm going to wait. This was the, this was the first one that every week I went in fairly blind. Um, not really know what was going to happen next. I had seen um, Moon Knight show up in, you know, the Avengers comics and different things like that. Whenever he would show up kind of as a side character, but I never read like his, like main run or really knew a whole lot about his past. So as for how the character was brought to life, um, I don't have a whole lot uh, to really say about the accuracy of the character because I don't really know him that well. However, when it comes to how was the character presented to people to really kind of understand his mythos and really kind of who and what the character is, I thought they did brilliant with it. Um, I mean, of course, you can't really get better than Oscar Isaac right now. Um, the man just – it's it, it'd be hard to beat him right now, like when in, in any any actor, um, especially after this performance, because there is a – there's a scene in the second episode when, when he's uh, – when – him as Steven is watching um, the tapes from the museum and Mark walks out of the bathroom. The, the, the way he is just the look, the demeanor, the, the, the way that he changes his stare. I know that that's going to sound so weird talking about on a podcast, but if you've seen the show, you know what I'm talking about. Everything about him changes in a in a singular moment 
and he becomes a completely different character. Um, the first person that came to mind when I really started watching this, uh, this is going to be a fun one for anyone uh, who listens who is also on that Venn diagram that watches wrestling. Um, he reminded me of Finn Balor, one of my favorite wrestlers who comes out as this persona known as the Demon every once in a while, where he has like all his face paint and everything. But everything about him as a wrestler is like the way he acts and looks in the ring is completely different when he is the demon as opposed to when he's just Finn Balor. It's the exact same thing with this. He, Oscar Isaac, nailed everything about carrying on as two separate characters, um, especially when it came to episode five, which is largely just him. Um, a CGI uh, hippo god, um, a, a delightful CGI hippo god, might I add, um, and then flashback characters. But he carries the entire episode basically on his back, and there's never a point where I was like, okay, this is just too much. This is just Oscar Isaac doing too much with the role. No, it's – I cannot say enough great things about him, and I, and, and, and I would just keep rambling on for, for the next two hours or so if, if, if I allowed myself, but I'm instead going to just stop talking um, but say that I loved Oscar Isaac, and um, this show made me want to read more Moon Knight like immediately, so it, it, definitely, it definitely succeeded in, in that aspect. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm, I've always been – fascinated by um the processes that actors go through when they do um their craft and um i really wish i don't watch a lot of behind the scenes stuff i don't watch a lot of like um special lectures that come on to like um streaming services or dvd packs or anything like that um but this is one that i would be fascinated to watch because it takes so much, especially with how shows are shot um, now, with how Oscar Isaacs was able to so often um, essentially have a conversation with himself and have a conversation with himself that out of the show had to have consisted of him, him doing takes of the dialogue several times in a row and then alternating his position and doing several takes of that dialogue and getting it to match up where it makes sense as if he's he really is having a conversation with an alternate version of himself. I would love to see what process he went through to do that because that was one of the more impressive examples of acting I've ever seen. <laughs> when like you take when you're able to appreciate it as it's happening, but also just kind of think about it in a more detached way of just like he had to do so many takes of this and maintain that intensity in such a way that it still felt like it was actually a conversation between two different characters, essentially. Um, so that'd be um, very interesting to see. But um, yeah, if anyone else is um, out there is like Jacob and wants to read some more stuff about these characters, um, now is a really good time to go to your local comic book shop. Um, the other day I went to mine and they had issues of Who Night Comics out on display. They had graphic novels. They had the really huge omnis of like entire runs by individual authors on the um, character. 
um, out for sale. Like um, now is a really good time to go and just kind of scoop up um, a bunch of comics um, about New Knight, um, regardless of how you um, prefer to read your comics, because there's a lot of them out there um, right now um, on open display. Um, so always, always go out and support your shops. Um, but um, yeah, there were definitely some things they changed up a little bit. Um, I know in the comics, the um, the different alters, the different kind of personalities that are included. Um, of course, you have, and um, I'm just so everybody knows, full spoilers for the entirety of the show. Um, you have Steven, you have Mark, you have Jake. And then a lot of times in the comics, kind of depending on the run, but a lot of times both the Mr. Knight uh, persona and um, the Moon Knight uh, persona are also treated as as unique entities as well, um, or sometimes kind of um, odd kind of um, amalgamations of different parts of the other personalities. Um, so that was a little bit of a change in the show, but actually think it was a change that I liked. Um, I think having, um, trying to balance all five instead of three um, uh, would have been kind of hard to pull off for this um, method um, of telling the story. Um, so, so I thought that was handled really well. Um, now, speaking of characters, um, I do want to jump over to Josh because there is a pretty interesting kind of character in this show um, who set up as kind of the antagonist to Stephen and Mark um, um, called Harrow. And Harrow um, is uh, the former avatar of Khonshu, um, is currently seeking to be the avatar of Amit. Um, and Harrow is kind of an antagonistic character that his his archetype, if you will, hasn't really been explored very much in the MCU. Um, kind of somewhat of a similar analog. Um, I can think of just off the top of my head was kind of um, the Pilgrim um, in season two of the Punisher. And even that, um, just the way those characters were treated in their context of these shows were still extremely different. Uh, but Harrow kind of has kind of a mysticism about him kind of has almost a religious kind of air about him as well. Um, so Josh, I'd like uh, for you, if you don't mind, to talk a little bit about Harrow, about his role as an antagonist, um, about Amit, and kind of the war of ideologies that um, wasn't always the first thing displayed in the show, but was kind of the undercurrent of the show's conflict. Yeah, so there's a there's there's an interesting um, thing that's happening amongst a lot of people um, in the uh, Gen Z generation right now. Really, really in the millennial generation and the Gen Z generation, this thing called yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, but uh, this thing called a uh, deconstruction, which is essentially where you, if you've grown up as in a religion or whatever, and you start to actually look at that religion with a fresh okay. set of eyes, um, then you basically start questioning everything about that religion, start wondering exactly what you believed, uh, how much of it was true, and that kind of thing. The interesting thing that this show does with Harrow, I think, is it makes him a character whose entire thing is about a deconstruction mindset. Um, 
which of course has existed before anybody related to religion. Deconstructionism is a thing that goes along with existentialism and all that stuff. But it's an interesting, it makes for an interesting antagonist because part of the thing about it, particularly when you get to the end of Moon Knight, is like, like Harold's not totally wrong here. Um, you know, there is a there's a sense where Kanshu is a 100% a user, uh, someone who is definitely manipula- uh, manipulating, um, and 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 I mean, Kanshu at towards the end even comes out and basically says one of the reasons that uh, Mark is so good is because of how fractured his mind is. You know, his ability he's he's easier to control because of that. And Harrow, of course, doesn't have that fractured mindset, but he is very much a broken man and a broken individual, um, particularly when it comes to his just sense of guilt. Um, it kind of makes you wonder if that's what Kanshu was, you know, playing on when he was using Harrow as as his uh, uh, as his avatar. Was this sense of just guilt and this and this need to not really punish the rest of the world, but one of the reasons he wants to punish the rest of the world is that he sees how evil he is, and therefore he doesn't want other people to commit that evil, uh, which is what Ahmet gives him the ability to do. Uh, it was really, that is an interesting take on a villain. Um, we, you're right, we haven't seen that. Uh, this is not a standard, um, this is not a standard, you know, I've, I've gained superpowers and I'm going to punch you in the face villain. You know, this was something different. This is somebody who also you know, apparently has the ability to uh, tell whether or not, um, you know, someone is going to commit evil acts and therefore punish them beforehand. Which, by the way, if there is a, a slight issue I have with this show, is that I kept expecting them to be like, Ahmet really doesn't know what he's talking about there. Because the first time we see, we see you know, uh, Harrow use that ability, it's on an old woman that, like, I'm just going to assume is not a, you know, not creating bombs in her, in her farmhouse or anything like that. You know, like it seemed like, you know, you know, she even makes a statement like I've, I've done nothing wrong my entire life, which, you know, of course, you know, it's probably a lie, but still, I'm just saying like, doesn't seem like she was too evil. I kept expecting some type of, you know, pushback on what Ahmet was doing. Um, as far as like being able to see evil before it happens, you know, uh, as if like at some point, like Conchie was going to be like, you know, well, you know, no one's fated to do anything or something like that. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what I wanted there, but I did think that was, it was weird how all that played out. Um, but just getting back straight up for, for Harrow, um, this, this concept of, you know, wanting to punish and stop evil before it happens, uh, it does make for an interesting uh, villain um, because the best thing about this villain, uh, the best thing about, about Harrow and what really shines through in Ethan Hawke's performance is the idea that this is a villain who has absolutely no qualms uh, in doing what he's doing because he believes himself to be 100% right. Um, and, like, this is a guy who believes himself to totally be righteous, which I think are, are the best villains. Um, one of the reasons guys like Thanos and Killmonger have lasted so long um, or are or, 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 or seen as such, you know, great, fantastic villains is because of their their imbued righteousness, so to speak, um, that they believe that he, they can commit all the hard wax in the world and it's going to be okay because what they're doing is ultimately right. Um, Ethan Hawke really, really, his performance stands out because you you believe 
that this guy who's essentially playing, you know, a a cult leader, essentially, but he doesn't play him crazy. He doesn't play him as someone who's insane. He plays him as someone who has a very logical reasoning for what he's doing. Um, and so I, I, yeah, I think you, I think as far as when we look at the villains that have definitely showed up in the MCU, uh, TV series, I think Harold's as good as any of them. Um, and, it, and it's definitely been the best examination of a villain we've gotten, um, out of the MCU TV series, um, you know, compared to some of the others, uh, Kingpin, you know, seeming kind of rushed and, uh, the flag smashers kind of seeming to be rushed and, uh, Falcon winter soldier. Uh, I think um, Harold was has so far has been the best villain, and I kind of you know like kind of bums me out. I'm hoping we get a little you know yeah how this ended. You know I'm, I, w- I would have liked to see more honestly. Yeah, um, there was a point. Uh, there was a point in the last episode that we were watching um, where. Um, where Harrow uh, has basically accomplished his goal. He's he has freed Amit um, and um, is going around. She's um, large <laughs> alligator lady, um, and um, and she says to Harrow, you know, Harrow, your scales are not balanced, um, and in a very interesting. And I think very high quality move they do with his character and with the show. Harrow um, is immediately very open to taking whatever consequence he thinks he deserves. Um, And so that's kind of that to me, because early on in the show, he is kind of set up as like this ego maniacal kind of cult leader character um who you just kind of assume is like is going to follow that stereotype um and right there in that scene he kind of breaks that mode and breaks that expectation because he does something that zero cult leaders in history have ever done where he believes the stuff that he has been telling all of his followers this whole time, right? And cult leaders typically don't do that. They keep in their minds, they keep a safe distance themselves away from the stuff they're trying to sell and peddle to other people. And Harrow kind of breaks that expectation and just says, okay, yeah, like I believe in this stuff too. And if you think that I need to be punished, if you think I'm unfit, then I'll take whatever kind of consequence you think I need. And that, to me, even elevated his character even more um, with that scene. Um, I was really impressed with that writing there. I would uh, I would say real quick, just because, like, this is, this is a thing that I really would like to see the MCU lean into a little bit more, um, because in the, in, in the real world, um, villains can be people of integrity and that needs to be leaned into um you can be someone who is you know who who has a very good sense you know of morality and doing the right thing and you know and and being religious or whatever and still commit horrible 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 acts and yeah and i always think my, my favorite example of this jake's gonna laugh when i say this because i know my favorite example of this is exodus out of the x-men 
who is a other man of integrity. He's a good person. He's a good Christian man. Okay. He also believes all humans should be exterminated because the mutants should be in charge of everything. And like when you when you have that kind of character, um, that's the type of evil that in the real world is so dangerous because it gains so many followers. Um, you know, uh, Jefferson Davis was a man of integrity. You know, and like that type of character, that's the kind of thing that I'd like to see the MCU lean into more. Because you're right, he's he's. I mean, he's that that that's almost admirable, Al. I mean, when you're looking at it, like when when uh, when uh, when Ahmed's like, you know, your skills aren't balanced. He's like, yeah, I know. You know, you guys should be the first person you kill. Let's do this right now. That's almost an admirable scene. I mean, it really is. Um, but he's just you know, crazy and like, and, and evil, <laughs> you know, and there, that, that type of line, uh, I think I, I'd like to see the MCU play with that a little more. I just want to say that. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. It's a good contribution. Um, yeah, I'd be down with, um, a lot of things from the show being <laughs> explored, um, yeah, and, fair point. <laughs> and expanded in the future, which is a point we might get to here in a bit. But before we do, uh, before we look ahead too much, um, I do have a question that um, I think um, <clears throat> um, our other member here is uh, particularly well equipped for. Um, because this is a show, phase four overall, um, phase four of the MCU has dealt heavily with um, mental illness in its various forms and its various expressions. Um, in this show, when you have a character like Moon Knight, um, who has the history that that character has, um, this show was inevitably going to tread very heavily on that theme of mental illness and how it's coped with, how it affects um, how it affects the victims, how it affects people in the victims' lives. Um, so I want to turn it over to to Alyssa, um, who has worked uh, for several years with individuals with mental illness. Um, um, as have I, I think at this point, her experience outranks mine now. Um, so I want to turn it over to her and just ask, um, how was mental health handled in this show? Uh, what kind of things did they get right, either about mental illness and trauma in general about uh, dissociative disorders and was there anything you would have changed or altered in how they handled things? Yeah. Um, so first of all, I just want to say like, I am not a clinician. I don't diagnose. Um, I don't prescribe medications and I don't do therapy, um, but I do work in that realm. Um, I work very closely with a lot of clients who are affected by mental illness and substance use both. Um, but just not in a clinical capacity. That being said, um, the next disclaimer I kind of want to throw out there. Um, we have to be very careful, I think, how we talk about and address mental health. And I think this show does a pretty decent job of it. Um, I don't want to, and this is something we came off or something that we talked about in like our group chat previously. Um, I don't want to fall into the trap of talking about this character and other characters who have, you know, apparent mental illnesses and 
use those mental illnesses as like a reason or excuse for different types of behaviors that we see. Um, you know, I don't want to run the risk of potentially saying like, oh, this person has this particular illness and that's why like he's a bad guy or that's why he does X, Y, Z thing. Um, so just kind of putting that out there as well. Um, one of the things that, or one of like the sayings that is one of my personal favorites is your trauma and your illness are not your fault, but they are your responsibility. Um, you know, just making sure that once you know what is going on and how to go about addressing it, that you work on that. Um, that being said, um, overall, I think they did a pretty good job of addressing this. Um, the, I don't think it's ever stated in the show at any point, but the mental illness that we see represented in this character obviously is, um, you know, I say obviously, talked about online and in other places. Um, that illness is dissociative identity disorder. Um, we think, you know, again, I don't think it's like actually ever stated in the show, but um, sort of just coming from that place of previous trauma and, you know, just the multiple personalities happening there, that is something that we see a lot in this character. Um, so that's you know, the predominant theory, which I think we've talked about in the comics, that's different, right? Um, it, so in the comics, especially speaking about the comics over the last uh, 10 to 12 years or so, um, the character has, has been handled well and not so well, depending on who was writing um, his line um, at the time. Um, I will say that the comics handled primarily by Meyer and McKay, which are some of the runs I would s s suggest people kind of jump into if they're interested in the character. Um, I know those runs have handled um, his illness um, by either outright calling it dissociative identity disorder. I want to say McKay uses the antiquated term of multiple personality of, of, or... um, split personality disorder okay. um but um historically his character was more described as having like schizophrenia um while still having um, the symptoms that we see in the show which again was kind of an antiquated kind of yeah. understanding of the symptoms um in the disease but yeah, so it kind of varies. A lot of stuff with this character varies very much depending on who is writing him. And I'm sure that leans into like how much information and how much base knowledge those writers have on mm. mental health in general and then also these particular illnesses. Um, I don't know if anyone else is interested by this stuff. I love talking about diagnoses and love talking about mental health in general. Um, so that's going to kind of be the take that I have on all of this. Um, stop me if at stop me at any point if you all get bored or have questions about anything. Um, but I'm going to just start talking and we'll go until I finish or someone tells me to shut up, um, <laughs> which is what I'm very good at. So just a couple things about dissociative identity disorder 
just right off the bat. Um, number one, you can have dissociation or dissociative episodes or, you know, dissociative like states without having the identity disorder. Um, this doesn't necessarily mean multiple personalities or, you know, having a personality split or anything like that. Um, people with ADHD can have maladaptive daydreaming or dissociative daydreaming. And that is a similar kind of thing. Just anything where like you are not in that particular moment in that particular time. Like if your brain is away doing something else, that is basically could be classified as a dissociation. Um, just want to get that out there. So if you hear someone say that, or if, you know, you have those types of episodes, that does not mean that there is, you know, something clinically wrong with you. You know, that just means, you know, you're, you're taking a little bit of a brain break. You're taking a nap in your head. Um, so that's right off of that. Um, I actually do have the dissociative like daydreaming basically with my ADHD. So, um, yeah, so that's number one. Number two, we don't know a whole lot about this illness and about this disorder. Um, you know, Al just a second ago talked a lot about previous names for it and that kind of plays into previous understandings. Um, split personalities or multiple personalities that comes from, you know, a few years back when the primary approach to this illness was, okay, this is multiple personalities. Obviously, this is a personality disorder. Um, we don't really see it that way anymore. We don't consider it a personality disorder as much as it is a dissociative disorder. There are people who take the approach that, okay, this is a psychotic disorder, similar to schizophrenia, but not the same. Um, we don't really see it that way primarily anymore. There is, you know, other theories that this is not even a disorder that genuinely exists. Um, and that one can be kind of tricky to argue against because it is incredibly rare. Um, so with it being rare, it is very difficult to study. Um, but the primary concept around this illness is that it comes from a place of severe trauma, which is something that we see in episode five, I think, mm -hmm. of the show. Um, typically, it's seen when there is trauma, like a severe, severe trauma at a very young age. Um, we no longer believe this is you know, 100% of the time it has to be at this young of an age, but that is primarily where we see it. And it is a protection, really. Um, we see that in episode five, where Mark kind of creates Stephen as a way to protect himself from the situation happening around him as a kid. Um, and that is typically where we see sort of these different personalities come out. That in itself is a dissociation that, you know, him saying, I'm not here, this isn't happening. Um, and then, you know, genuinely being able to take himself out of that situation. Um, and again, you know, there are the theories that say we don't know 100% for sure that this is 
what's really happening and that that's, you know, that it's real. Um, I don't want to oversimplify it by saying, you know, there are people who don't think it's real. Um, but yeah, again, with it being so rare, there is very little that we know about it. Um, I worry sometimes that it does kind of get lumped into a category with certain other mental illnesses where we lean a little too heavily on it for being a quote unquote like villain disease, if that makes sense. Like, you know, we don't want to throw people into this category and say, oh, you have this illness, so you're going to go on to do you know, horrible things because you're out of your mind and you can't control yourself. Um, I think that happens a little too often in media where it shows, you know, people not having full control of themselves and therefore what they do is bad things. Um, I think that the show handled that aspect of it pretty well because, you know, Stephen, we find out, is the altar and... He is the personality that is at the front when Mark is not fully in control and he is absolutely precious and he runs a bookstore and he has a goldfish and he's just this great little guy. Um, And then just kind of the confusion of it as well, you know, coming out of that state where they're kind of bouncing back and forth and having those flashbacks. I think that's handled pretty well. Um, I have not been in a clinical setting in a while, so I don't want to talk too much about the psychiatric hospital scene. Um, Some things that we noticed while watching through, and even some of our friends who, you know, have no background in mental health at all, were able to point out. Um, It was pretty easy to point out right off the bat that, you know, maybe that part was made up in his mind and not really happening, Um, especially in Harrow's office where he had heavy, hard, sharp objects easy for throwing and hitting on his desk. Um, Just a lot of things in that setting that to me screamed either they're doing this intentionally to show and maybe hint at this part isn't real or, you know, maybe they don't know a whole lot about this field in that type of setting, like everyone else in Hollywood. (laughs) Um, Just that sort of things like that, that just kind of jumped out. Um, But where they handled the other aspects of his mental health so well, I don't think it was from lack of research. I think some of that was intentional. Um, But yeah, I know that was a very long and very rambling answer Mm -hmm. to some of this, but Does anyone have any questions about that? Or is there any particular things that you all noticed that you want to talk more in depth about? Because I could sit and talk about mental health all day if you let me. Um, I know that um, that psychiatric hospitals um, and healthcare facilities uh, are something that historically have not been very well depicted yeah. um, in comics um, and adaptations of comics. I will say one thing that I did genuinely love about that part 
um, was actually in episode six, I believe, where, you know, Harrow is still playing psychiatrist there. And he says something that I don't think a lot of people understand. Um, and he's totally gaslighting at that point, like 100 mm-hmm. percent gaslighting his little crooked heart out. Um, but he says, you know, we don't chemically restrain people anymore unless we absolutely have to. So, of course, we didn't just do that to you, even though we just saw that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's true. Like, that is something that I think a lot of people don't realize. And another reason that I think like those other things were very intentionally done is because, you know, we don't do that unless it's an absolute last resort anymore. So just like little details like that were very well thought out, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so there were some hits and there were some misses for sure. But um, as far as overall kind of depictions, I think I would say I was unpleasantly surprised with um, how a lot of things were handled. Uh, We didn't have the absolute horror show that were um, the episodes of Iron Fist where he's in the psychiatric hospital. Um, new Marvel, new me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Two this different is, eras. This is one thing that like, I genuinely appreciate about having the Marvel shows on Disney now is that they have that Disney money to be able to like actually research and know what they're talking about with some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so those parts were much improved. Yeah. From there. Um, I do want to emphasize that, you know, um, as Alyssa said, um, it's not good to try to demonize um, individuals who have a mental illness or have a specific mental illness that's been particularly uh, portrayed badly or has been kind of stigmatized. Uh, worse than other kinds Um, and that's very true Uh, we also want to also acknowledge that you know when we're talking about this now you know acknowledge the context that this is a superhero show that as well handled as some of the aspects were that um, it's also important not to glamorize um, how many struggles with mental illness as well um that we uh, that we treat it as it is that it's um that at times it can be um a very horrible affliction uh, for people uh, but also that there um, are resources and there are reasonable more realistic steps to getting help and finding um a balance to one's life that's not just you know something that can be as simply solved and addressed in in an hour-long episode of a show so we definitely want to acknowledge both sides um of that topic um but um yes um and just kind of piggybacking off of that for listeners out there you know in every major city and hopefully in accessible areas just across the country and hopefully across the world Um, there are resources available to address mental health. Um, A lot of times we look at therapy and psychiatrists as, you know, doctors and assistants for rich people, um, people who have the financial resources to be able to pay for that kind of thing out of pocket. 
And unfortunately, a lot of the time, um, a lot of the private practices, that is true. Um, a lot of them do not accept insurance. However, um, community mental health is sort of a growing area in a lot of places across the country. Um, these are affordable resources. A lot of times they are nonprofits, so they are accessible to anyone who needs that type of assistance. Um, and that does not necessarily have to just be, you know, inpatient. That can be outpatient. You know, you meet with a therapist once a month and you have access to a provider who can help with those medications to assist with your illness. Um, so those resources are out there. If you are in the United States, um, reaching out to your local NAMI branch is a great option. And I'm sure, you know, when we post this podcast, we can put a link on the Instagram or something. Um, NAMI is a great, great resource for that. National Alliance for Mental Health or Mental Illness. Um, and then you know, even just checking with your state or local government for resources on that as well. A lot of times they are funded through the various cities um, or funded through the state. Um, sometimes it can be really long waiting lists. Sometimes, you know, the resources that are available aren't the best, but it's at least a starting point. Um, and then you can always look online for different resources for dealing with coping skills, um, dealing with different symptoms for various illnesses. Um, so yeah, there are communities out there that are willing and able to assist with some of these things that we talk about when it comes to mental health. So just throwing that out there, tossing that to the wind. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, now, um, as we kind of close down and wrap things up, I do have a couple of questions I like to ask the group at large. Um, because as, as we understand the MCU to be the beautiful, usually very interconnected thing that it is, um, there are some question marks about where the events and the characters of Unite um, um, are going to play into. Um, now, um, at the time of this recording, I did look into this today. Um, on the most recent thing we have heard is actually from an interview with Oscar Isaac, where he said that um, he hasn't heard anything about a season two. Um, of course, that isn't to say anything for sure, because... Um, um, I think only a couple of the shows on Disney Plus have been confirmed for season two. That doesn't necessarily mean that one isn't coming. That doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't some other kind of project for these characters that are coming up. But this is an interesting character. This is an interesting story to kind of fit into the landscape of what the MCU is. Um, it's got some elements of more street-level stuff. It's got some elements of more mystical stuff so it could fit into a lot of potential places um so i want to open things up on the discussion and just kind of ask where do you think um of these characters where you think um um specter where you think um Layla as the scarlet scarab um where any of this stuff 
uh, could potentially pop up again um, down the road. Um, I'm going to go ahead and open it up and say what I hope happens. Um, the main thing I hope uh, we get out of this down the road is that I hope we get a lot more. Ayla, um, she was incredible um, in the show. Um, I thought she was used really, really well. One of the few complaints I have about the show as a whole is that I wish we got a bit more of her than what we got because I thought she played a really interesting role as kind of a counter um, to Mark as kind of a symbol of what he's lost, of what he sacrificed both on his own and in his relationship with Khonshu. Um, and then, of course, we get her um, in full avatar form, um, and we get her with um, the gilded wings, we get her with um, the avatar powers from um, Tara Wet. I doubt I'm saying that right, but um, she is fantastic. So I think... Um, she would be, even if they don't want to go all the way um, and get Oscar Isaacs as kind of like smaller appearances in other projects, I think she would be a great avenue to go down to kind of keep the lore and keep the events kind of in the zeitgeist of the MCU, uh, possibly have her show up um, in uh, the new Thor, where a lot of different um, religions and pantheons are going to be explored anyway. Um, on the TV scale, possibly have her show up as a potential kind of uh, cameo appearance as kind of a mentor character um, to Miss Marvel as well, kind of having um, the shared identity of being the first um, superhero in the MCU of their respective ethnic backgrounds and nationalities. Um, I think you could get a lot of great scenes and character growth from that. But um, I want to see a lot more of her as well. And I think that's probably the easiest way to go about um, taking any of this stuff from the show and kind of inserting it organically into other projects. But um, that being said, I'll toss this over uh, back to Jacob, um, kind of restarting the train. Um, and Jacob, I'll ask you, what kind of fan theories, what kind of a wish list do you have uh, for things uh, from the show going down the road? Um, yeah, so... Well, for, first and foremost, I do want to completely agree with you that the the one kind of criticism I have about this show is I did want more Layla um, because I thought she was I'm, I was right with you. I thought she was fantastic. Um, and once again, not knowing, you know, anything about her from the comics, which I later found out she was invented for the show. Um, but I was like, I want to see more of her. I want to know more about her story. Um, I really would have liked a little bit more clarity on this is going to sound weird because it's literally the entire purpose of, of, of the show, uh, but, um, the relationship she has with Mark, um, because so, I, so we, we have confirmation that she is, that Mark has disappeared as Steven for six months. Um, but we also know that like they were together long enough for her to know that he was Moon Knight, to know that he had the suit, um, and for him to have been killed and then come back. And she, but she doesn't make the, but there's never a point where she knows that, 
Um, the people he was with killed her father. So there was a lot of really kind of interesting stuff. Like I, I kind of wanted some more confirmation on like how exactly that all laid out. Um, but that's, that is 100% a personal thing. And it did not obviously didn't take me out of the show or anything. Like I was still, you know, by, by the time she gets the suit at the end, I was like, this is awesome. This is one of the coolest things I've seen in a long time. So I was, I was all in, um, like you said, and something that I hadn't even thought of, um, this show introduced a new pantheon of gods that we have not seen in the different Egyptian gods, but then we also, we still have all the Norse ones to deal with um, from the Thor films. And like you said, you know, Gore is, he's the god butcher. It's not, I am the Norse mythology butcher. It is just the god butcher. So, you know, I don't really think he's picky. I think he just wants to kill all the gods. Um, in fact, a side story where Gore is like, I don't want to kill that one. That that's not really my kind of my kind of gig. That would actually be kind of funny to watch, but I doubt that's going to be the route they're going to go with this. So there's a possibility that, that could happen in Thor. I think there's a lot to cover in in this new Thor film, so I don't know if they'd go that route. Um, but what I would like to actually see, I, I mean, more so like with showing up the Egyptian gods. Excuse me. Um, I'm, what I would like to see, though, for the future of this character, something that I theorized would possibly happen at the end of Doctor Strange. Uh, it's something that I just want, and I don't really know why this has just been such a thing on 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 my on my brain here recently, but it has. Um, and that is, I would love to see basically a an MCU version of a small team called the Midnight Suns. So the Midnight Suns happened in like the mid 90s where you basically had kind of a bigger push towards these this more kind of like anti-hero supernatural kind of team. Basically they were they could kind of act as like Marvel's version of Justice League Dark. Um I think that'd be kind of interesting because that way you could bring in like you could bring in Doctor Strange. You could bring in Ghost Rider. You could do um, uh, Blade. You could do Black Knight, since apparently Blade's with him following Eternals. Um, but right there, I mean, Moon Knight and Scarlet Scarab would fit perfectly within that mold. Um, and so I'd be really interested to see them in something like that. Um, so that's kind of like a personal like want, like something I would like to see. I think that'd be either a cool film or a cool show. Um, but for me, there, there has to be a season two. Like there just, there just has to be of this. There's so much that we still don't know about Khonshu. There's so much we still don't know about, uh, Jake Lockley as a, as a, as a third personality. There's, there's so much we don't know about this character that is still left open that I don't necessarily know if they would, if they could do him justice by just having him pop up for, you know, 20 or 30 minutes in another, in another film. I'm not saying Marvel couldn't do that because they've done that with other characters, but at the same time, I, I would personally want to see an actual season two, um, devoted to, to the character of Moon Knight and Layla. Um, but yeah, but like Josh had said, um, talking about how Khonshu kind of being, a more antithetic or not antithetic, excuse me, an antagonistic force. Mm. Um, I I'd be kind of interested in seeing something like that because the most recent Moon Knight story I've read was, um, in Jason Aaron's Avengers runs. It was literally called the age of Khonshu, 
where basically he takes over the entirety of the world um, using the uh, the primary powers of the of the different Avengers teams that uh, Moon Knight has to steal. So there is a point where Moon Knight has like basically stolen multiple powers from different heroes, and it's really an interesting story. Um, but but that's something that I would I would like to see. Not that story particularly, but Khonshu is more of an antagon, antagonistic force in the next uh, in the next uh, in the next iteration of this character or wherever we go from here. Um, but yeah. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask, um, if they do a project for the Midnight Suns, would you rather it be, um, a show or a film? I would, I'd probably actually want it to be a, a film and the reason the reason i say that is because as as awesome as the shows are and don't get me wrong they're they're great with the midnight suns i i think i think all of them could branch out to their own shows and their own kind of series but i think them coming together like to stop like just at the top i mean just at the top of my head like I mean, someone like like I, I and I know this is gonna sound weird, but trust me, this could happen in comics. Someone like Dracula, <laughs> um, mm. that I think doing like a film where mystical heroes from the MCU have to team up to stop literally like the Lord of All Darkness or whatever you however you want to do Dracula in this series. I think that would be a film that I would want to see, but I think that's something that would work primarily in a film. So like. I don't know, like, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking of just, like, stuff like, you know, you have, like, Moon Knight and Blade trying to be, like, stealthy or something, and then just out of nowhere, just Johnny Blaze as Ghost Rider just on this, on, you know, the hell cycle just starts blazing through, you know, like, this warehouse of, like, vampires or something, something like that. Like, that's something I would want to see on the big screen. I will 100% admit that is just, as you can tell in my voice, 100% just like something a like like a passion project like something that I would just want to see me personally but I think that's that is a storyline that I think could work or something similar to it I got you I got you Nana that that sounds great to me I am always down for like street slash mystic types of stories so I know that sounds great um, I'm down I'd go watch it I'd, I just might watch it if it comes to theaters. Um, Josh, I'll go to you. What kind of um, uh, projects would you like to see come out of this show down the road? Is there anywhere you think these characters might uh, pop up in again? What kind of um, are your ideas about it? Uh, yeah, for me, well, first and foremost, I just want to reiterate um, that there has to be something else after the cliffhanger ending. I think all of us are going to make that statement in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And I just want to reiterate uh, hard that there that needs to be something. You can't end the show like that and then be like, well, that was Moon Knight, guys. Hope, <laughs> hope, hope you enjoyed. Hope you enjoyed what you got here. Um, you know, I really, I have no issue with doing the Midnight Suns. I um, I would say the Midnight Suns were, were really a, a substantial part of, of my childhood um, as they were this weird comic uh that like only the weirdest of the people that read comics were reading at the time and now that's all of us 
Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, but Moon Knight, you know, I, Moon Knight's interactions, my favorite Moon Knight interactions, um, as much fun as you have with like with the Blades and the Ghost Riders, uh, and even to an extent, you know, I think I think Black Knight seems to be kind of moving in that uh, general area. Uh, I want Moon Knight just hanging out with some of the more rational people of the Marvel Cinematic Universe would just be a lot of fun to me too. Um, because there's, you know, the, the Moon Knight we don't really get in this. We get a little bit of it, I guess, with, with Steven. But Moon Knight in in Marvel is wacky, and he's almost a, uh, like, a more competent Deadpool in when he's around mm. people. Um, you know, because, like, he, he ne- when he shows up for the events, he's never really there of his own volition. It's just always something that has happened. So, like, he's, like, you know, he happens to be in downtown London, and, oh, darn, Ultron has all the Infinity Stones or something like that. And he's just like, well, I guess I'm going to do something now. You know, that tends to be where Moon Knight is at. And so, like, that kind of tends to be where he's at here. You know, Moon Knight, as as a character, you know, Mark really isn't... I mean, he's not a bad guy, but he's not also... He's not overly concerned with doing the right thing. You know, he really wants the he wants to do the right thing so he can stop doing what he's doing. Um, that kind of aspect of the character, if they're going to do more of, I know that's not really like a like a team up or anything like that. But if we're going to do more of it, it you know, if, we're, if they're going to explore the character more, I want to see more of that. You know, part of the character where it's like, okay, well, I guess we're going to do the Moon Knight thing again. Here we go. You know, gotta got to fight some, you know, deviant or something, you know. Him and, like, him and Spider-Man would be great together. Well, so I, 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 was trying be... to, I was trying to stay away. Of course, like, you know, what was great is, like, when when the Moon Knight show was happening uh, was when everybody started memeing the Spider-Man-Moon uh, Knight interaction mm, uh, yeah. during the Infinity War, last Infinity War, where, like, Moon Knight goes, I, I spaced out what's happening, and Spider-Man goes, just punch you, I punch. And, like... <laughs> That is a perfect interaction between those two characters. Um, so, you know, I think that'd be fun. Uh, guy that hasn't mentioned, um, but like, you know, Moonlight's a lot of times on the periphery. If and, and if we're if we're if we're bringing them back, he's a lot of times on the periphery of the street level characters, Daredevil and Luke Cage. Uh, he's around those guys a lot in the comics, and not not a, not necessarily around them, but like he's always in that area. Um, so I'd like to see some interactions there. Um, but really, I just, you know, I just want, I want to explore the character more. Uh, if this is going, this, this can't really be the end of this. Um, I do realize, I get, you know, like one of the things we haven't brought up, but apparently this has, this was the show uh, on Disney Plus that, of the MCU shows that has been watched the least, um, or at least the, the premiere was. I don't know if it picked up as it went on. Um, and of course, I don't know how to rate streaming shows because it's just really hard to do that. So, and I realized that of all the ones they're doing, this was the one that was the biggest risk. It has the least connection uh, to the um, to the rest of the MCU. Uh, it's the least noticeable. Um, it's not, you know, it's not going to be fun like Miss Marvel. It's not going to be like, you know, hilarious like She Hulk probably will be. You know, this was the this was the biggest risk. But I do think that's one of the reasons I think it, we need more of it because it is a it is an interesting character and it's there's nothing else like it. Yeah, yeah, I'll I will agree um, entirely with that idea. Is that um, I like to see 
um, some more of this, but also just some more things like this as far as um, taking a bit more risks as far as as far as kind of stretching what counts as being um, connected to the rest of the MCU. Um, I feel like that this is one that I think you're right. It feels the most distanced from everything else that's happening um, in phase four, um, except potentially or Eternals, because I, I'm i still <laughs> waiting for someone to, to bring up anything that happens in Eternals in the MCU. But um, it's one that does, it feels a bit more distanced from the core of the MCU of what's going on. But at the same time, I feel like that's in many ways a, a positive thing. I think it's good to have shows and films that, that are kind of required to stand on their own a bit more. And this is one of those um, shows. And I think that um, it was done really, really well. And I think there is a section of fans who enjoy MCU content, um, but don't want the responsibility of having to understand exactly how everything interconnects to each other and understanding the, the details of of the timeline of events and things like that. And I think that having these projects that feel a bit more distanced from these other storylines, um, I think it could appeal to a lot of viewers who aren't as invested in understanding the um, finer, minute details of the continuity. Um, I think it could be a great source of entertainment for them. But um, yeah, um, I'll, I'll end this round with... Um, with Lisa, what kind of stuff would you like to see happen with these characters and in, in this lore? I hope that they show up in the new Daredevil stuff, whatever that's going to look like, mm -hmm. mostly because I'm just super excited that we're going to get more Daredevil content. Absolutely. Um, and there is, you know, both parts, the mystical elements that Daredevil deals with at some points, mm -hmm. as well as the street level stuff. So... I feel like there is a reason that they waited until after the show came out to announce that there's going to be more Daredevil Ooh, happening. Um, be, yeah. So I want that to happen. I want to see that with my special eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I'd be down for any scene where Oscar Isaacs um, and Charlie Cox just kind of share the camera. Say it That'd again. Be... <laughs> That'd be incredible. Um, but yeah. All right. We are going to wrap up this episode of Fandom Talk real quick. Um, I will go around the the virtual uh, the virtual table uh, provided by the kind folks at Skype, um, and just ask everybody. Um, I want a grade for Unite. Um, so I want a grade and like any final thoughts you have about the show. Um, so, Jacob, I'll go back around to you. Grade and your final thoughts, if any. Um, so, grade would be like a solid, solid A. And literally, the only thing that is stopping it from being an A plus is, like I said, I would want just a little bit more Layla. 
um, and maybe a little bit more into Arthur's uh, backstory. Um, the only the only thing I would have done more was give was given in a seventh episode. I mean, it's the same. It's which has kind of been the like consistent complaint, like or really kind of mild criticism about any of the Disney Plus the Disney Plus shows. Um, but uh, but still, obviously fantastic. Um, cannot get enough Oscar Isaac. Like, let that man play whatever the hell he wants. I will go see it. Um, he's great and I want more. Um, and, uh, oh, all three suits looked absolutely incredible. Forgot to mention that. Um, the main Moon Knight suit looks great. The Mr. Knight suit looks great. And as I already said, when Layla becomes Scarlet Scarab, that is one of the coolest just suit reveals I've ever seen. Just the, the wings flying out. She's, it's just, oh, she just looks so cool. Um, anyways, yeah, loved it. Uh, I want more of it. I got you. I got you. Well, we got an, an A, an A from Jacob. Um, Josh, I'll go to you. Also, wait, did you want A or did you want like from one to ten? <laughs> no, no. Very I think cool. we've oh, he done. He said grade. He said grade. Okay, yeah, got yeah. You. I think Very we've cool. done all of the shows we've given a grade to. We have yeah, done grades. So. Okay, got gotcha. Excuse yeah. me. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, that was fine. Um, Josh, I'll go to you. Uh, yeah, I think it's. I'd give it an A too. I think only Wandavision's better, and um, uh, it's um, you know, it, it's it's really a, a they're, they're, it's hard to really come up with complaints. Uh, I, I'm aware of the complaint Jake has, and it's a complaint I've had about all of them since Wandavision. I think every single one of these shows could have benefited from at least one, if not two, more episodes. And Moon Knight falls in the same category. I think there's. You know the the ending of this show you know, is 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 a little rushed. You know, I mean, they're it's so so rushed that you know the you know the fight between Harrow and uh, Layla and uh, Mark is happening while at the same time there's a giant kaiju fight happening in the background. <laughs> you know, they had to put those scenes together. Um, so like you know, it, it just it, there's a lot of that. Uh, I, I don't know why uh, Disney is scared of adding. You know, a episode or two more. I know She-Hulk is nine, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, nine or ten. Yeah, yeah. nine. Yeah. So, like, I mean, so you know, maybe they're, you know, maybe moving forward, that's a that's a thing that'll be happening. Um, but that's my only real complaint. And uh, yeah, and I hope, you know, once again, reiterate. Yeah, we need more. We need more guys. Um, so uh, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, a from Jacob. A from Josh. Alyssa. Four point five out of five five stars i or i think that converts guess, to an a <laughs> yeah roughly an a. It was good. um yeah nothing else really to add to that other than if you haven't already heard oscar isaac's hippopotamus song go go look it up on google all yes. right yeah. everybody go check out the hippopotamus song by oscar isaac i like that um but uh, yeah i agree um, I gave it an A. I'm tempted to give it an A plus just because of what this show attempted and was able to pull off. Um, this is the one that hit me the most. I mean, we've obviously had like obscure characters pop up um, in shows and films and things like that. And like, it's wild to think about these things that are actually happening on a large budget to a massive audience but like 
after we watched episode one, I just kind of sat there and was just like, like we we have a Moon Knight show. Like it isn't like it isn't like a web series that has a budget of like a hundred dollars an episode. Like this is a massive release, big budget show about this crazy character. Um, and it's just insane. And this was the one that I was the most excited for. It was probably the one I was the most scared for because there was such huge potential to not handle a lot of things well. But the fact that it was handled well, that it was really enjoyable, that it was as accurate as could be expected to the history of the character. Um, it was just, wow, there's a good show from Moon Knight. It's just, that's just wild. That's my main takeaway from all of this is that the show even exists. Um, but it does, and we were able to enjoy it. And we hope all of you enjoyed it. We hope all of you have had a, a chance to watch all of it. If you haven't, if you just enjoy hearing spoilers for stuff and have listened to this without having watched the show, you should go watch the show. It's really good. Um, as we've obviously argued that it is. Um, but I do want to thank everybody for spending their time with us. Um, I say it all the time. There's a lot of content out there to absorb and enjoy. And it means a lot to us that you all um, choose us to hang out with and hear us ramble on about various topics um, on these episodes. Um, so we appreciate it. Uh, we have a lot of episodes coming up for you. We're going to, um, to do um, the very next time you hear from us, we are going to be covering um, Dr. Strange two, um, a, a very divisive film, a very divisive film for this group of correspondents. Um, so we'll be covering that for sure. Uh, you won't want to miss that one. Um, we're continuing our series, the Star Wars EU review with me and Jacob. Uh, we are covering um, our f first video game entry uh, for that one, for the PlayStation 2 game, um, Bounty Hunter. Um, if you haven't gone back to play a PlayStation 2 game in a while, I encourage you to do it. You'll learn a lot about yourself. Um, but overall, um, we are here to stay. We'll, uh, we've got some um, some stuff coming up. And as long as people continue to make things we love, then we'll continue to talk about them uh, because fandom is for everyone. Fandom is for everyone to enjoy. Um, so with that, thank you very much. We love and appreciate you all. And have a great day. <laughs>